the cup and the leaf all to be won. Everyone knows there's a job to be done. And with a team so fine, I'm proud they're mine. We'll be singing the song. Dunfermline Athletic Former Players Association podcast is sponsored by Starna Apparel. Affordable and stylish clothing born on the terraces. Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off their order by using code PODCAST at the checkout. Just head to www.starnaapparel.co.uk. Before we get into this latest episode, we would like to thank everyone who's purchased a ticket for our first ever Captain's Brunch which will take place on the 22nd of October at the KDM Group East End Park. The event sold out in just 24 hours and it promises to be a fantastic afternoon. So far, we can confirm former captains attending the brunch will include 1968 Scottish Cup winning captain Roy Barry, Scott Nipper Thompson, Greg Shields, Andy Gagan and Callum Morris. We have another exciting event lined up for early 2024 so please keep an eye out for that one also. On to this month's episode, and as a former captain who sadly can't attend the brunch as he's going on holiday, however we've managed to secure him on this episode of the podcast to hear all about his career in the game and playing for the club he supported as a boy. Signing for the club in 1977, Bobby Robertson would become a club legend who helped guide the club from the second division to the Premier League in successive seasons he served the club as a player for 11 seasons of that and only one player, Norrie McCarthy, made more league appearances for the Pars. Not only did he serve the club as a player, he would become club doctor in 2007 for 10 seasons. So sit back, relax and get ready to walk down the Holbeef Road with Bobby Robertson. <laughs> Bobby, thanks for your time this morning. It's great to catch up with you as always. How's uh, how's life treating you? Uh, uh, well, thanks for asking me, Mickey, which is very very kind. Um, yeah, <clears throat> life is good. Um, I, I fully retired from my medical job last August, so I've had a year of retirement, which has been, you know, really full and and rewarding. And yeah, it's a yeah great job. Do you miss working though? You're quite happy with that. I'm happy now. Um, I, I think I sort of cut, cut my hours a wee bit back in 2018, so I sort of um, I eased myself into retirement. Um, I still do, you know, I, I did a bit of um, teaching latterly, so I still I still touch on that a wee bit. But time 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 was right. We'd gone through COVID, and and COVID had been. I I had cut my hours sort of just prior to that, but then COVID meant that everyone really, you know, had to had to help out. So I got more involved. I was involved in the vaccination programme through this part of the county. And yeah, and after that, my wife and I had always, we, we loved travelling. And one of the, my wife was a GP as well. And mm-hmm. one of our hopes was that, you know, once we retired, we'd been very busy through life, too much to, to, to travel as much as we wanted. And we wanted to really get on the road and see the world. And then, yeah. of course, that that, that was... Um, that was halted by COVID, but 
since uh, since that we've uh, what we like we, 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 we like to go to sort of far flung places and we do what's called posh backpacking. So we just right. we just uh, organise our travels ourselves and uh, if uh, if we hit upon a difficult situation, we've got a wee bit of money now that we can always bail ourselves out. Yeah. So yeah, so it's been good. It's been a very busy uh, year. I'm a keen golfer. I'm involved uh, 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 at the golf club at Lady Bank, and and I uh, I keep fit. I cycle. I run. So yeah, keeping busy. Keeping busy. Brilliant, mate. We'll rewind right back to the start. So you were born in Leslie in five February nineteen fifty nine. Mm-hmm. So what was early years like for? For a young Bobby Robertson. Well, we moved um, when I was age four uh, through to uh, Glenrothes. So all, all my schooling, um, I went to Warout Primary School and uh, Community High School. I was sports daft all my life, really. N- not not just football. I, p- I played tennis. I ran. Um, I played golf. Uh, uh, but um, I, I, f- football was probably. You know my, my main interest growing up. My father was um, was a, a a great Powers fan, mm-hmm. so I'd been Powers since I was old enough to remember. I was going to ask that because obviously mm. staying in Glenrothes, you're not mm. in Dunfermline, so how come you were a Dunfermline supporter? Well, my dad my dad was um, born and brought up in Alloa, right? Um, and and he he was an Alloa fan. He 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 played football himself. He at junior level, uh-huh. um, he was an Alloa fan. Um, but then moved through uh, to to when we got married, moved through to this part of Fife, and it was at the time that Dunfermline were, you know, having their greatest ever decade. Yeah. The housing so, days of the sixties. Oh yeah. So so he was, he was, um, you know, he was a big Pars man by the time I came along, um, and I went regularly. As I say, he took me regularly since about the age of five. And we were at the Scotch Cup final. I was age nine and sixty-eight. I remember that more than I remember any game I ever played. Wow. The whole day, the whole, you know, the match, the goals, I can remember it clearly. I remember the drive back through Kincardine and folk lining the streets. And and a slightly interesting uh, adjunct to that is, well, I was nine when I went to that cup final. And I've got three kids and my youngest, uh, Ali, uh, was nine when we got to the cup final against Celtic. Right. Um, so there's a little bit of uh, a mirror there. Unfortunately, the result wasn't as wasn't good. Wasn't the same, no. <laughs> Who was your hero? Who was your football hero when you were growing up? They were all Pars men. I mean, it's, it's quite surreal that I'm quite friendly with Roy Barry now because Roy was my hero. Yeah. I mean, just, he epitomised everything that, you know, that, that uh, uh, in my eyes, you know, uh, a real footballer was. He was a, a hard player, a winner, um, and he led, you know, the best team, best Dunfermline team I ever saw. Yeah. So um, Roy, <laughs> Barry Mitchell, yeah, uh, had a bit of flair. Willie Callahan, you know, what a fullback Willie was. Mm-hmm. Um, Bert, Bert Payton, just uh, class. You know, he's proper a, legends. Eh? Bert, Bert was a a, a player. Uh, ahead of his time, I think, you know, he, he, he was one of these guys who could just glide into space, he had a lovely first touch, he had great vision. They were my idols. Brilliant. Any of the European games, did you go to them? Yeah, yeah. And I, again, I, the, the, I, mean, I mean, I remember that the, the one that sticks most vividly in my mind is the Slovan Bratislava match. And a guy, his name, Jan Kapkovic, I think his name was, 
I mean, they 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 stole they stole that from us, really. And and yeah, I mean, I remember teams came to East End, you know, and and we we were expected to thump them, you know, you yeah. you you expected to beat them. Um, teams now that you know are competing mm-hmm. uh, in in the top European uh, competitions and. We, you know, we didn't have really much doubt that we would beat these sides. Um, what so it was wonderful. What needed to be a supporter. Oh, it was, it was, it was fabulous. It was, it was, magic. it was great. We're just so lucky, you know, that we had that magnificent decade. Yeah. Really. So was it your dream to play for Dunfermline? What was your kind of pathway then? Yeah. Um, so, so the the um, yeah, I suppose up until I was about thirteen, fourteen. I wanted to be a footballer. I played, obviously, school team, sort of representative school football. And then um, about 14, 15, things probably maybe changed a wee bit for me. Um, I was doing quite well at school. I remember my father had a, had was really sick and was in hospital and had to, had to have a, a, a big operation. And I remember spending, you know, going, to, going down to the hospital to see him and I, I thought, you know, the, the work that the nurses and the doctors were doing was really, really quite inspiring. And I sort of changed to that point. I began to think about, you know, you know I think I would quite like to be a doctor. So 14, 15, uh, uh, that, that, that became, I think, my, my main ambition. My football was going okay. I, I was playing um, the, the, the big uh, juvenile team in this part of Fife were leaving Royals and there's Dunfermline United and, and, and on the other, the other side of the, um, of, of the county. But all the sort of better players here sort of went, went to leaving Royals with players like, um, I mean, a school pal of mine was a lad called Alan Hunter. Right. And Alan was a super player. Um, he'd signed for Dunfermline and, yep. and played a season or two. He was there, Morris Malpass played down there. A guy, Kenny Halley, who went down to Nottingham Forest. Uh, two or three guys that went to play for East Fife, so it was a, and it was a feeding team at, at, at that time for Aston Villa, right? So the Royals attracted, you know, a, a lot of good players. So yeah, I was playing for Leaving Royals. Um, it was in the days where you you played for your school team on the Saturday morning, <laughs> and then you went and played for your juvenile team in in the afternoon. And around that time, it, it was. It was quite difficult for me because I, I was getting a little bit of success. There were there were some senior clubs showing interest. I was academically still doing fine and 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 you know pa- passing exams and uh, and so the, the the prospect of being a doctor was still very much there. So yeah, I had two or three years where I think it might have gone I- either way. Really, mm-hmm. were you at a crossroads at any point at that age to think right, either do my studying now. Or play football. Yeah, I mean, there was when I was about sixteen. There was some interest that our, we had a one of the teachers at our school was a guy called John Ferguson, our community. And John, John had been a player. He played for Oldham. He, he, he contracted um, TB and it ended his football career. But he became a scout for Manchester City, and John used to take a team, um, our school team, down to Manchester. Um, we, we did it two Easter holidays. And the first Easter holiday we went down, uh, at the end of that, Manchester City weren't the Manchester City they are now. Um, yeah. You know, they were very much the second team in Manchester then. Um, but there was a bit of interest shown 
by city and I was asked to go down um, a couple of times more, um, once in the autumn and the, the following um, spring. And at that second time I went down, there was sort of, um, I wasn't offered any contract, but they were discussing with me, if you came here, the educational opportunities would be X, Y, and Z. Um, because I had mentioned, you know, that I was, I was planning to take my hires. So they, they said that you could go to Manchester Polytechnic and, and, and they offered or, or mentioned a number of courses that were available. But I, had, I really wanted to do medicine and, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that wasn't, wasn't an option. There was a wee bit of interest from Hearts and there was a wee bit of interest from Dundee United. But that was really when, um, you know, I, I, I didn't want to, to, to commit to that. Yeah. And, and then Dunfermline were interested and I, I, had, I signed... An S form, um, George Miller yeah. was, was um, and I thought that left my options open. You know, I, I could, uh, it, it wasn't a commitment one way or the other, but it put me in touch and it was my, my team, you know. So what did that feel like when the Fairman offered you that YTS contract? Well, it wasn't hard to say, to, no. to, to, to do. I mean, that swung it c- c- completely, really. And, and that, that was a, probably the, the, the pivotal moment and deciding that I was going to, you know, pursue a career in, in, in medicine because at that time, Dunfermline, you know, were, were part-time. So it, it, it fitted the bill. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the S form period, Harry, Harry was manager. And I, I remember, um, my father loved Harry Melrose, you know, and, and I remember Harry coming to our school and um, I think I was in sixth year at the time, and it, it was it was the time where um, I moved from being S form to, to there was a provisional signing. I don't know if they still have these. I don't, don't think they will. But it was a what, what that what that meant was I I got paid a wee bit. I could play for the reserves because the reserves had midweek matches. Yeah. At that time, I had I'd gone on the 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 pars had. The, the usual pathway at that time was you would you would sign for a, a junior team and yeah. get hardened up. Yeah. Uh, so I'd been um, moved from Leeds Royals to Kirkcaldy YM, and uh, and Harry Harry came and we took to discuss the signing of the provisional uh, contract uh, to school. And I remember he, he sort of sold it to my dad really, <laughs> and uh, and passed the papers over. You know, my father signed it, and Harry said, "No, Mr. Robertson, it's your son." Yes, this. <laughs> So anyway, so so that that happened, um, and and we had this pr- provisional year where I played a lot of reserve football with heroes of mine. So um, Ken, Ma- I remember playing Sterling Albion one night, and Ken Mackey was playing Dave McNichol, um, Graham Shaw, I think. Uh, was that Jim, quite Jim Scott. For you? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I was just a f- playing at East End Park as well. Ah yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. You know, it was just, it was going from really just being uh, a supporter to suddenly putting the jersey on and, and, and going out with these guys. It was just a wonderful experience, really. That that season, I think that was 76, 77. Yeah. Um, you mentioned him earlier, George Miller. He yeah. almost assigned you. What was George like? A very f- little recollection of George. He, 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 I mean, I was a, uh, you know, he was obviously involved with with the first team and, and you know, signing a 15, 16 year old was a, a minor part of his task. I didn't really have much 
much to do. I was quite, he, he was quite a stern figure. Um, so, I, yeah, I'd, I'd not really got any mm -hmm. great memories of George. And then Harry comes in, who you mentioned. What was Harry like? Oh, just, just a, a great guy. Just loved Harry as a manager. And, uh, and he, 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 he really bent over backwards to, to try and make, you know, he knew, he knew some medical thing. One of the things he did, which was just a, a master stroke, really, was when there was a couple of offers, and I, 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 but, but, you know, I was pretty set on Dunfermline. Um, and Harry um, brought Hugh White along to a meeting with my dad. And, and Hugh had moved from Hibs. Um, he was a fourth-year medical student at the time. He'd moved from Hibs to Dunfermline. He'd signed the season that season before and uh, Hugh came and sat down and 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 just you know explained how things had been for him he'd been with a full-time club and the, the 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 pressures on him to go full-time meant that he was you know his fourth year he had two more years to go in medical school and Hibbs wanted him to go full-time and uh, and so he left there and came to Dunfermline and he had been able to combine being a medical student at Edinburgh uh, playing first team football for Dunfermline and uh, you know that was then a, a path I could see that, that could work for me. It must have been great for you having someone that you could constantly have a chat to who's in a similar position, oh, similar career yeah. path. Yeah. That must have been good having having that in the, in the yeah. dressing room. And Hugh, Hugh you know was a mentor to me in so many ways yeah. you know he was just he was five years ahead of me in uh, football five years ahead of me in medicine um, uh, looked after me um, encouraged me um, yeah one of um, uh, one of the great uh, influences in mm. my life you brilliant so eight days after you signed your pro contract you made your debut do you remember much about your debut was that East Fife it was yeah uh, yeah East remember Fife, much about that I remember I'd never been so tired in my life it was at East End um, I was still living at home in, in Alexander Road in Glen Rosas. My dad was, uh, took me to the game. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but I, I, it was just a complete, you know, a, a big step up. Uh, and I'd, I'd really only been training, you know, we used to train twice a week at that time. It was Tuesday night and a Thursday night. And uh, uh, I think I, I was 17, I think I was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the game the game is a bit of a blur, but I can just remember being so exhausted at the end of it. But uh, I think we won. I think we won. Yeah, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I've not got that here. It was in the Fife Cup. Fife Cup, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that same season, we spoke about it off mic, but Kenny Dalgleish last game yeah. for Celtic yeah. before he moved to Liverpool. You played against him that day. What was that experience like? Yeah, oh, that, 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 that was, that was uh, amazing. There, were, there had been, uh, so I, th I think it was a pre-season friendly, I think. I mean, just, you know, gone from playing junior football with Kirkcaldy YM, um, suddenly uh, uh, facing, you know, Glasgow Celtic. And um, and it, there was there was quite a bit of hype about it because Liverpool had, you know, I think that there was a, a, an assumption that he was moving. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and I just sort of said that um, I, I remember uh, being given a role, really, to, to you know, <laughs> to mark him and uh, uh, so I thought I'd done, done my job we lost 4-1 I thought I'd done my job really well because Kenny hadn't scored but then Harry just pointed out um, after the game 
he didn't score, son, but he took you out of position four times to allow Johannes Edvaldsson. And uh, he scored a couple, and I can't remember who, who scored the others, but that was a wee bit of a lesson yeah. how, uh, how fantastic Douglas was. He could just he could uh, control a game, and his positional sense was amazing. He would just, you know, without knowing it, just take you three or four yards, leave a wee hole behind you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but that was, that was wonderful. Um, yeah, it's a great privilege to see you've been on the park with Kenny Douglas. Definitely. Who else were you coming up against at, at that kind of time, opposition-wise? Well, I mean, there were some great players in, in, in the Scottish League. I mean, the, I, I can remember playing Clyde, and Clyde had Pat Nevin and Steve Archibald. Um, I mean, what a, Craig, Craig Brown was their manager at the time. And I remember playing, we were at Shawfield, and... Nevin, Nevin really was a fabulous player, um, and he'd been he'd been giving me the you know, slip all day. I remember having him. I thought I've got you this time. You wee. <laughs> he was right against the corner flag, and he was facing the corner flag. I had him boxed in, and then he wasn't there, and he'd he'd, he'd sort of backheeled it through my legs and spun me, and I was just looking at the corner flag. Um, so yeah, Nevin. Um, he was a standout. Really. Yeah. That season, if I remember correctly, we also played Rangers in a League Cup match. So again, that first first season, I remember it was a, the first match was at Ibrox uh, on a Wednesday night, and I had um, a pathology tutorial that I had to be at. I, I just couldn't skip it. This is my first year at Edinburgh Uni. And it was at two o'clock on the Wednesday afternoon. Um, and I remember thinking that, you know, it was supposed to go on for an hour and it was going on for an hour and a half. And, and I eventually had to say that the tutor, um, excuse me, I, I'm playing Ibrox tonight, <laughs> you know, uh, which he thought was just a, a wind up, but he eventually understood I was. Uh, so I, I, I got to I got to nip off, but so I drove drove myself to Ibrox. The guys had had, had gone for a, a pre match meal. I, I, I missed it because I was, uh, I, I, you know, for my medical things, and uh, so I got to Ibrox. I'd been given when when I nipped off early all this stuff I had to revise, you know, for the next day. So I remember going into the dressing room. The guys hadn't even been there. I'm getting the medical books out and sitting reading. You know, some things I had to swap for the next day. So on that on that occasion, yeah. I mean, that was that was probably even more surreal than the Kenny Dalglish experience uh, the first season because they had um, you know Peter McCloy, uh, Davy Cooper, Tam Forsyth, John Gregg, Alec McDonald, Derek Parley, and Derek Johnson. Yeah, basically the European Just, Cup winning team. Amazing. Yeah, you know. Amazing, and I remember being, you know, Tom Forsyth had this fierce reputation, and he I, he he went through me after about three minutes. You know, you, you just <laughs> there was a fifty-fifty, and he just absolutely slaughtered me. Uh, so welcome to the big boys game. Uh-huh. Um, but that was a funny wee incident on that, on that game, as we we had a obviously we had a big win bonus, but we had this. Harry had had negotiated. A bonus, a hundred quid, which was a lot of money in 1977. Yeah. Hundred quid, certainly for a medical student, impoverished medical student, <laughs> um, if we kept the score to three goals, because um, they thought that would 
have a big, you know, get, get us a big crowd back at East End because it was two leg thing. Um, and we were getting beat 3 0. And, uh, and with Jimmy Mullen, who played up front for us at that time, nicked a goal with like five minutes to go or something to get it 3 1. And we all went berserk. You know? <laughs> I think you're getting beat 3 1, guys. What's the yeah, fuss? 100 pounds, thank So 100 pounds, yeah. God, that was brilliant. And, uh, and then we went back, we played it, we lost 3 1 at East End as well. Um, but yeah, that, that, I mean, first season. Um, when I suppose I was expecting, you know, to, to be playing. We were in the second division, you know, expecting to play against these Stirlings and Stenhouse Muirs to get a game against Celtic and Rangers in your first, you yeah. know, first year. It made me grow up quick. What was what was the club like at that point? Because obviously they'd gone from the period in the 60s yeah. where they were flying. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was part-time football, yeah. lower leagues of Scottish football, low yeah. crowds. What was it like around the place at the time? Low expectations and there were low yeah well I don't know if you've ever got low expectations at Dunfermline to be mm-hmm. honest you know I mean I think that that you know period in 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 the sixties and you know early seventies raised the bar yeah and you know we 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 knew that you know we were part of an underachieving club really that was we were very aware of that I always felt we were going to move upwards. Always felt that. Um, and, and I mean, Harry, Harry, you know, was, was you know, a, a major um, player in, in that. He, he started, I know, you know, Leash rightly gets credit, you know, for, for taking the team. But I think Harry brought the club back. He brought pride back to the club. He, he, he was almost you know we've always it's always been a very important club to the community and to the fans and I think you know Harry started that recovery really it, it, I, know, I know we we had you know it took a few years but uh, I never at any time felt that that was where we belonged mm-hmm. you know down there um, you know you, you're only as good as that's where you are, I suppose, but yeah, we were always better, better yeah. than that. And and you were given that sense that you're playing for Dunfermline Athletic, so, yeah. you know. Because um, Leash talks about a period when he first went in as manager and like the kits all had holes in them. It yeah. was just like, everyone was just so poor. Well, there was no money. So we need to change us. Yeah, there was no money. And I think, I think we had a, we were, you know, in serious financial difficulty for a lot of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, we, you know, the wages we were paying were, I mean, poultry really. And, yeah. But I always felt that we could, you know, because we were done firm athletic, we, we, we would attract better quality players, and then that began, you know, yeah. to happen. If you know, if you've got a choice from the same money, yeah, I don't want to be disrespectful to any club, other clubs, but if you were given the choice, same money to play for Dunfermline Athletic or, you know, another club at that yeah. same level, you would, yeah. you would sing for Dunfermline. And, and we always had that yeah. uh, age. Still do, I Brilliant. think. Uh, I think so. <laughs> you scored your first goal that season. Do you mm, remember who that was? No. <laughs> um, I never scored very many. Uh, um, it was the 22nd of October, 1977. And it was a header. Meadowbank. It was Meadowbank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It was a header. Nice medal bag, yeah. You mentioned it earlier, so <laughs> by this point, you started your studying. How did you balance studying, playing football, mm-hmm. and just general, normal family life, I mm. guess? How did you manage to do that? I've always been a disciplined sort, sort of guy. Um, I, I, I worry if I don't have, if I don't feel I've prepared for everything. So I, I, I was... Um, so a, t- a typical a typical week, you know, we would be training on Tuesday, training on Thursday, playing on Saturday. Um, I would come back from training on Tuesday night um, and I would just burn the midnight oil. I would get the books out and uh, I remember I was at Pollock Halls um, at Edinburgh Uni for the first two years and then I'd be flat in Brunswick Street and, I, and my um, window light on a Tuesday night and Thursday night would be on till two, three in the morning. I would... I would you know, catch up. I always felt, you know, you had to study. It was it was quite an intensive course, medicine. So you know, you you, you your day was full with lectures and tutorials, etc. And then you had to sort of mug up um, all the reading around that. And and so Tuesday and Thursday, I made up for you know the, the hours I couldn't study in the evening by studying in the small hours. So I would do that Tuesday, Thursday. Um, Friday, we used to finish at uni, four o'clock, I was Mr. Boring, I would not go out on Friday night, which was fine, you know, because I had the football, I would, Friday night was a big study night for me, and then, obviously, uh, Saturday was the football, I was very lucky in, in a way, in, in my flat at, at, at uni, and the guys I, I shared with, one was a very good um, rugby player, he played for Borough Muir, another was a Scottish international hockey player. Right. Um, so we were all big into our sport, and so we helped each other in, in that respect. So we would have a quiet Friday, we'd study, Saturday was football, Saturday night was a blowout night, um, and then Sunday, depending on how things were, I would, I would probably spend a lot of that studying. So I wasn't the most exciting individual during that period. I also utilised every moment that I could. I mean, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was commonplace. Uh, we were travelling to away matches. I would just find a quiet space in the bus and uh, get the books out. And uh, when we had our sort of pre-match meal, I'd go back into the bus and do a wee bit of reading while the guys went off to the for a walk or to the bookies or yeah. whatever. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was it was, a, it was always a standing joke, you know that. Uh, the, the doc would be up uh, with the books <laughs> studying. So I, I just had to make the most of my time and that, that kept going, you know, once, I, once I'd qualified really. Yeah. I, had to, I had to find time um, for my job as a junior hospital doctor and, and um, you know, you would often be, I, it wasn't uncommon that I would be um, up all night on a Friday night you know, working in the maternity hospital at Dunfermline or or, or the, the old Dunfermline Westside Hospital and then no sleep and just wander into East End and, and play, so... How did you cope playing then? Surely you'd be exhausted and you're... Yeah. Did you find... Could you switch back into concentration, this is football now? Or were you on the pitch at uh, times thinking about your studying and no, a page no. you just read in one of your books? Or no, no. When, 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 you were able to just switch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Maybe. when you when you're young, you know, you have an amazing amount of energy. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you and the adrenaline surge of a match takes care of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes at training, you know, you'd maybe feel, you know, a, a, a weary. Um, but a game 
it's completely different. You know, you're buzzing, your adrenaline surge is huge, and that and that takes you through that. Um, so, uh, now I, I I can honestly say that I I began then. I, I didn't get too worried if, if I was on call and I didn't get any sleep because I knew I would be okay. Mm. You'd be wiped out probably for the next day or two. Yeah, but. As long as I was disciplined and I stuck to 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 my routines, uh, I managed to to cope. Brilliant. Well, the following season, 78, 79, like you said earlier, Harry starts to build those foundations. We get promotion. There's a famous game that season against Falkirk. Mm. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that one. So we 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 needed the draw. After it was very early on, mm-hmm. um, uh, John Sultan got got injured and. Um, and I went back to centre half. When I played for Leaving Royals in Kirkcaldy with him, I, I was a forward. Uh, and right. I never played ever in defence, ever. And it's you know, completely different nowadays. Kids are coached to, to play positions. Uh, and I played up front. Um, and then when I went to Kirkcaldy with him, I sort of moved back into, into to midfield and, 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 and up front. Um, but I'd never, ever played any position in defence. So, but, but I, was, I, was, I suppose it was my luck that I, I was quite versatile and, and that's probably, you know, why I, I was lucky enough to play so many games because I, if anything, in those days you only had two subs mm-hmm. and, and so to have a player on the pitch that you could switch about was, was quite useful. So I think I was lucky in that I, you know, I've, I fulfilled that role a lot of times. So yeah, I went back to centre half and Kenny Thompson beside me and Kenny, you know, Kenny just told me where to go and uh, just attack, attack everything. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that that was um, that was an amazing game and and uh, so much at stake. And uh, so Kenny Kenny sort of spoon fed me through that, and then I think we lost a goal. Like we one 0 down. One 0 down. John Perry, I think, yep. scored. Yep. Who, who who came to us at one point, uh, um, and then we had a penalty. Uh, and the major Andy Rowland took the penalty. Uh, I couldn't watch it, uh, you know. And he, he he slotted it. I actually, we had a wee reunion not all that long ago, um, and Andy, uh, I, I got to to know him because he became a posty England office. Right. So I'd often be out in my house calls, and I'd see Andy, you know, uh, doing the rounds in his postman. Um, we saw him again. There was a reunion at the just at the end of last season. Uh, of the seventy-eight, uh, yeah, seventy-eight, 78 team, yeah. yeah, team, and he's now eighty and fit as a fiddle. And we talked about that penalty, yeah. And the goalkeeper, I can't remember who it was, but he said he had been at Dundee United, right? Um, and uh, he said he knew he, he knew he couldn't save a penalty for me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, he scored, and that was it. Yeah, got got the point. And got got our first promotion. Oh, well, my promotion. first promotion. What other players were at the club at during that time? And then, um, so uh, uh, Mick Leonard, um, who you'd signed from Sligo Rovers. Um, uh, now let me think. Uh, Huey obviously uh, was in goals. Jim Bowie, uh, John Salton, uh, Kenny Thompson, Jim Scott. Scotty was that. Hard, hard character. He was a player I'd admired when I used to go and watch Dunfermline. So, um, Scotty was there. We'd signed 
Um, Paul Donnelly had signed at the same time as me. Sandy McNaughton, I said, Sandy. No, Sandy was there though, yeah. Uh, I think he was top goal scorer yeah, that season. Sandy, yeah, he was a good player. Yeah. A very good player. He was a big signing for, for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were the main guys, I think, that I remember. Brilliant. So just after that, Harry goes, I think there's a period Andy Rowan's kind of caretaker yeah. manager, and then there's a, a couple of years with Pat Stanton yeah. for Scythe coming, it was really difficult. What, what was it like working under these two guys? Well, they were both, um, I think the, the, the club, you know, uh, were attempting to lift the profile of Dunfermline again. So, you know, um, I mean, previous two managers had had close links. In fact, many previous managers had close links with Dunfermline. And this is a wee bit of a, a deviation for the club, appointing big names, mm-hmm. um, had no, no connection with Dunfermline. And, you know, I, I got in great with, with, with both of them. Um, but but um, they, they, they were, they, you know, they weren't Dunfermline men, really. And mm-hmm. Pat, Pat came, he was, I mean, Pat, was, he played me every week, you know, he, he was good for me. He made some, I mean, he brought Norrie, he made some big changes, um, but never really got great success. Um, he, he, you know, was hugely respected by all the players. Maybe slightly aloof. Um, he brought in George Stewart, right. who was the coach, who did most of the training ground work. Um, but just never had success. And, and, and I think there was always a sense that it, it was a temporary step for him. You know, mm-hmm. I think he had been up to Aberdeen as a coach, um, came to Cowden Beef and, and, and then us. But he, he was always, I think, destined for, for Hibs. Yeah. Um, and then Tam, I mean, Tam was a lovely man. I mean, he, he, he was... He, he, he was very much in the cliche. His, his, his bark was worse than his bite. He was quite a gentle guy, actually. Uh, uh, he, he brought in uh, um, Cammy Murray, who had been coach, um, had been a coach at Motherwell. Cammy was very influential. Um, but yeah, Tam, Tam was. Um, I remember that funny story about Tam. He was. Uh, he was. Um, he would come in and, and you could almost see it was an act. He would, he would rage. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he came in one day and was sort of looking around the dressing room. And we had, we'd had a couple of twins played for us, Bobby and Stuart Doyle at that time. And, uh, and Tam came in and we were just about to go out training and he was looking around the dressing room and he said, where's your, where's your brother? Where's your brother? It's time to get out. Get your kit on. It's time to get out. Speaking to, to Bobby and, and Bobby said, well, Boshy Freedom last week. <laughs> so I did. Oh, shit, so I did. So I did. <laughs> uh, and there was another time he was raging at Sandy McNaughton because Sandy and McLennard used to, used to travel together and, uh, uh, you know, sent to Sandy, where's, where's Mick? You know, we're out in the training ground in five minutes. And uh, Sandy said, well, you know, look at the weather, Boshy, you'll not be, no be here tonight. And uh, what do you mean you'll not be here tonight? It's uh, because, what, because there's a wee bit of snow. Is he, does he not like to train in the snow? He said, no, no, but he drives the gritting lorries. <laughs> so, uh, the yeah. joys of part-time football. Uh, uh, yeah, and I mean, we had, you know, we had all sorts. You know, we had painters, decorators, electricians, plumbers, gritting lorry drivers, teachers, a couple of doctors. It was, uh, yeah, it was a 
brilliant. So Dan Forsyth struggles as well, like Pat Stanton, and then Big Leash comes in. Yeah. So what was what was it like in the early days when Jim took over? Was it still quite a difficult period, or did he start making quite a lot of changes early on? Or? Um, well, it was it, it was difficult because we, where we were, mm-hmm. but the atmosphere totally changed. Um, uh, uh, there was a sense that we we had um, uh, 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 somebody who cared about the club back in charge again. He was, um, you know, he was quite an inspirational figure in the way he lifted the the atmosphere in the dressing room, made it fun to to be back playing and training again. But he 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 also had a fierce determination to you know that that that's something that is maybe missed a little bit. He 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 was a real winner leash. He was clever, you know, the the, the way that he could um get the best out of people. He, he was probably the first manager I played for mm-hmm. who clearly, you know, and I don't think he spent a lot of time thinking about this. I think it was just natural to him. He knew how to cajole a player he knew you know who needed a bit of encouragement an arm round the shoulders who needed the stick and he he had that you know in his locker and um and he he, he certainly got got the best out of what he had but he was quite ruthless as well you know he he he, he you know he knew who wasn't good enough and who had to go um and uh, and then he implemented that, uh, you know, in the years, and that's why he got the success that he did. People forget he was only twenty eight years old. Oh, I know. As well, when he got that job, it's, it's crazy yeah. to think. I mean, I young. I played with Leash, you know, when when I when I joined and was in that pro- provisional year, and um, so I'd, I'd been around there when he, when he was a player, and he did. It's funny when you know when I suppose I was five or six years younger than him, but but. Um, yeah, you know, I never, I never, I never thought it was a surprise that he was the manager. It just seemed a fit, mm-hmm. and and even though he was twenty eight, that that he he um he he immediately had the respect of the dressing room, even players who were his age or older. So his age wasn't a handicap for him. But yeah, you look at it now, a twenty eight year old. You know, coming into the management of a club like Dunfermline is, yeah. is, is quite an achievement, really. Big time, yeah. We are Flow Digital Pharmacy, and we are proud to sponsor the Walking Down the Holbeath Road podcast. Our easy-to-use app is a convenient way to access your NHS prescription medication, and our team of trained pharmacists are helping thousands of people to access the support and medication they need. If you're registered with a GP who's based in England, you can use the Flow app to securely and conveniently send them NHS medication requests and arrange delivery to a location of your choice at a time that suits you. This means you can avoid the hassle of contacting your GP and making unnecessary round trips to eventually collect your prescription. Find out more at WeAreFlow, spelled P-H-L-O, that's WeAreFlow.com. The end of the Jim's first season, eighty four, eighty five. He makes you captain. You replace your pal Hugh White. Mm. What was that like? Obviously, as a supporter, oh. you just played for the club. You're now the yeah, captain. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, 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 that's the biggest single um, honour in my football career, really. Um, 
maybe even outside football, captaining my team, captaining the partners. And it's uh, something that I, you know, I'll I'll never um, I'll, I'll never get uh, uh, used to. You know, it was a it was a great honour, and it's a I suppose it's different days in a way, in that you know we were we were part time and and I was you know working as a something else that took up you know a huge amount of my energy and and but yeah that was um that was a big thing I was very always be grateful to him for doing that what kind of captain were you were you someone that went around all the players or a shouter or I I I no I wasn't I wasn't a shouter really um I I I would um I could identify I think where people when people were struggling um so I would try you know there were there were players you didn't need to to say anything to you know um uh people you know like McCarthy Watson who who were you know a, a very confident people on the pitch uh, and you really didn't need, need to do much for them but I I think I think I was um I was able to identify where, where players were struggling and 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 could you know help out with them and I, and I always tried to m- make a point of making sure that everybody could see that I didn't leave up anything out on the pitch and that I tried to to be a captain by example um, I wasn't the most skillful of players but I don't think anybody gave any more um, I certainly you know gave everything I had when I went out to play and I think you know, lead, leading by so that sort of example in the park is is a, an important thing. Probably what I tried to do. Yeah, brilliant. During this time, you played from seventy eight to eighty two. You played one hundred and fifty four consecutive games mm. for the club without getting injured. And then the club starts to really progress with Jim, and you play across three different leagues in three successive seasons. So we start obviously getting the promotions. What was it like starting to see the club really? Progressing and starting to go up the leagues was there that belief we're going to get back to the Premier Division? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 it's interesting that the when you get when you when you, you're in a winning team, you really the, there's a momentum that that follows that, and and there was a great confidence in the dressing room. We were essentially the same bunch of guys, you know, that we were sort of talking about earlier. You know, the plasters, the plumbers, the sparkies, the you know, the van drivers, the same bunch of guys that went from the second to the first and from the first to the second. There were, a f- uh, sorry, the first to the premier. There, there were a few important additions, but the core of the team um, remained. And the, the momentum that we, we, you know, that we, we had that took us up into the, you know, from the second to the first was the most important thing. You know, the confidence of winning regularly, that we, we, we trusted each other, um, that there are um, bonds of friendship made during these two seasons that have stayed with me, you know, for the next 30 years. We had a, a, a fantastic um, team spirit. We had uh, a great respect for each other. Uh, and we had this um, fierce competitive spirit. And we always had a belief, you know, that, that we had match winners in our team. We were never down and out. I have never, never experienced a, a, a team spirit like that these two, three, three years. And yeah. it was I was so proud that, 
these guys, you know, most of them, although the team then, once we got up into the Premier League, um, it's a different, it's a different level, really. Um, and, you know, we were the bag carriers. We'd, 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 we'd done the job. Um, and, and that team then had to, you know, had, had, to, um, had to be split. But, um, yeah, I, I'm so proud of all these, these guys. I think they, they, um, they changed the future, I think, for, for Dunfermline. And, yeah. You know, from these... back to where it should be. Yeah, yeah I mean, we were, we were really down um, at a level that we should never have been, um, didn't belong. And that bunch of guys, you know, they they were the ones really that brought us back. And we've never really looked back. I know, you know, we've had some terrible times, but the club have have never really been as low on the playing side yeah. as 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 they were way back in yeah. those those days. Yeah. Something before we touch about the Premier League season, something I wanted to ask you about was the East Enders record. Right. You were involved in all that. What was that experience like? Well, no, I wasn't really involved in all that to 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 to, to a full extent. I was involved in the in we were going through you know Blair Blair Morgan I think had yep. had uh, and EastEnders was the sort of most popular television program. Everyone knew the theme tune, and Blair put together slightly corny lyrics, but <laughs> but yeah. And then we we went over to. Um, a studio in Edinburgh um, to record the song. So I've still got the. I've still got. I'll play it to you later if you. <laughs> I've still got the single. Um, and then the guys. Uh, that then we went to Pebble Mill down in Birmingham. Pebble Mill at one was. Um, that was so corny. Uh, Pebble Mill at one was a big uh, lunchtime telly program. But fortunately, um, I uh, I had to work. Right. So I, uh, <laughs> I made sure I was on call. <laughs> Great publicity though at the time. Wasn't oh, it? huge! Like the club huge. were doing loads of good stuff like that off the park as well, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. Oh, well, it, 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 you know, that's the sort of thing that that lifted the profile nationally. Um, but you know, if you've, if anyone's got the single, listen to the B side because that's Gregor Abel's. Yeah, the B side. Yeah. <laughs> the B side's good. So we get to the eighty-seven, eighty-eight. You're in the Premier League. You have yeah. one season. How how was that experience? Obviously, it was quite a tough season, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we well, we got relegated at the end of it, and we had some high moments. Um, I had uh, I'd had a, a I'd started to get some injury problems. Um, I I. I had a really bad hamstring tear um, against St Mirren. Um, I can't remember if it was the season before, or um, and it, it it sort of all. I, I think after that, I, and I, I tore it again another twice. I, I never really, I never really got back to um, the speed and, and and fitness levels that I'd had. So I I, I felt in the Premier League season um, that. Uh, for for me, with a combination of, because at, at, at that time I was a um, you know working full time on call commitments as a doctor, I'd had these injury issues, and I was although I I'd, my, my, I'd mentioned earlier my wife, wife's a, a, a GP as well, and I 
I sort of went full-time training that year as best I could. So Linda would go in and, and we'd do my surgery in the morning. I would go, it was Eagle Glen we were at, and I would go into Eagle Glen training. Um, and then I would have to rush back to do my house calls and my afternoon surgery. And I, I could only do that three days a week, you know. And, and so I was missing a little bit of the, um, the full-time training. I always used to make sure I went in on a Friday um, because I, I could put in the, the physical work myself, you know. I'd, I'd, I'd go training and, you know, uh, on, on you know, nights after work. But the, the sort of um, big sit-down and tactical discussion about the game on the Saturday usually took place on the Friday, so I, I always made sure I was in on the Friday. Um, but I, I have some wonderful memories of that season, but it, it was... Um, the work made it really difficult for me yeah. uh, to fully appreciate it. Um, I got I played in quite a lot of games. I had some... You, you know, played 22 games, yeah. well, 20 starts and two subs right. that season. So that, that you know, that, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled that I, I, I got a, an opportunity mm-hmm. in my career to play in the Premier League. Um, I, I don't think I was um, at my peak um, because of injury and work commitment. But I, I gave it my all and I had some great memories, great memories of it. But it, it sort of convinced me that I wouldn't have wanted to be a full-time professional footballer. Um, yeah. the, 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 that routine um, wasn't for me, really. And, and when I had... When, <laughs> I always thought when, when I had a very... When I, when I had a poor game, you know, I could console myself with the fact, well, you're really a doctor. <laughs> yeah. And if I had a nightmare, you know, at work, you know, I could think, well, at least I'm a footballer. <laughs> so it, 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 it worked for me. Um, some wonderful memories of that, you know, it was great. I think I ticked off all the, you know, the grounds in Scotland I hadn't played at. And, and one of the memories I'll never forget is that the last game I played for the Pars was at Parkhead um, against Celtic. Um, and it was that, uh, we were down, we were relegated by then. And I, I remember the Celtic fans um, giving us a fantastic, Elite Leash was, uh, you know, was very popular. Yeah. in the game nationally by then and we, we had um, and, and I think we only lost 1-0 yeah 1-0 yeah and, Celtic uh, I think lifted the trophy that yeah, day didn't they yeah and what, what a way you know to finish I I, I hadn't I, I knew I was finishing then I hadn't told the club I, I, I just knew that I couldn't due to work commitment really um, commit to another season so I knew that I was leaving, um, and I think it was after that that I sort of said to Leash that. In fact, I think he he, he might have given me another year. I think he was, he, you know. Um, but I said that's that's the end for me. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm moving on. See, uh, by that point, obviously you're qualified doctor. You're working in the Dunfermline area as well. Mm. You got any stories like obviously mm. you'd be speaking to supporters all the time. Mm. It must have been quite surreal for a supporter mm. goes into the hospital and then. The club doctor's one of his pars, like his favourite yeah. players or whatever. Yeah, no, that happened often. And and you know, my favourite story on on, on on that was um, I worked at Dunfermline Maternity Hospital, and uh, we used to if there were well the midwives would do the deliveries, but if there were any complicated deliveries, the doctor would get called in. And and I remember um, getting 
you know, it paged down to the delivery suite and this poor woman was having a lot of difficulty delivering this rather large baby uh, and we had to use forceps to, to get the wee one out. So anyway, got, got, uh, so you're all gowned up and gloved, etc. And, and uh, I remember delivering the baby and handing the wee one to the dad. And uh, it, it was quite a hairy delivery. I, you know, adrenaline was going, heart was racing. But when the wee one sort of screamed, you know, and you think, job done. Um, and it was boiling in the, in the delivery suite. So after dad, dad had the wee one and, and mum was crying and, you know, everything <laughs> was great. Uh, and I took off my, my, my gown and my mask and, and the, the, the dad was holding the baby and just sort of looked at me, Bobby Robertson, Bobby Robertson. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was holding the baby, he passed the baby to, to his mum and he said, what about that game at East End last Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> so we had, a, we had a five minute conversation, you know, the, and this new father just shows you, you know, what the football club means, Amazing. you know, it means to people. So, and there was lots of folk, you know, I, 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 I would be, there would be, um, there would be games I remember one one day we were playing Hearts East End, um, and I was um, working in casualty at A and E at Dun the old Dunfermline West Fife Hospital, and um, there was supposed to be a locum. And the club were quite good. If I couldn't get my wife to work, <laughs> they they would get some locum money, you know, and I could employ it. So they, they, I had a locum coming at uh, at one o'clock, and. Um, we never turned up and you know I couldn't leave the position and uh, I remember there was one of the consultants um, who uh, sadly died now a, a chap Brian Dean and Brian was in and about the hospital and and he saw me and he said you know you know up the road for the game today uh, I said well my locum hasn't turned up and he said give me your bleep son took took the bleep from me um, and said, I'll work this afternoon. So the wow. consultant just stayed in the unit um, to so cover while, while I went to play. So, and it, it was a, I was a sort of, a, a, sort of minor celebrity in the, in, in the hospital setup because of the football. Yeah. And, you know, the staff, um, it was a novelty for them. They quite enjoyed it. And, and yeah, I, I got quite a few concessions out of, you know, uh, work to, to go and play. And uh, I would return the favour by some free tickets and stuff. But Superb. That was a, that was a nice thing. That again, part of the the how you know Dunfermline's a community club, and and you know yeah. everyone you know liked to do what they could. Yeah, they all stick together when everything's going good as well. Especially that you see it at the moment, the crowd yeah. on Saturday, for example. Oof. There's a real togetherness again about the club isn't there oh it feels that anyway when you oh, go no no there is and 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 it's i think we have a, a a good feel around the club just now we've got the right manager in and we've got the right you know backroom staff that's you know the fans know when they've got you know somebody who you know really yeah. appreciates working for Dunfermline yeah and and i think James does, and you know he comes across very well. So, but I mean, we've all, I mean, did, did you think of the people? You know, the, the, when I went back as a doctor, 
the same folk were there yeah. that were there when, when I played. You know, we've had such... I mean, look, look at the calibre of people that, that volunteer yeah. and, and, and have worked, you know, at, at the club for decades. So I mean, you say, though, the club means everything to so you. So are the earth folk. The people, yeah. They really are. And, and you know, the people who make the, the club tick over the, all these decades, you know, people like Mo. You know, I mean, what a great guy Mo is. You know? 30 years service this he's year. Just, he's just a great man, you know. He, 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 he's selfless, um, totally committed to the club. And before Mo, I mean, Joe, you know, Joe Nelson. Joe's yeah. a dad to me, really. You know, he was, he was so. Uh, when when I was a medical student, um, and and Joe Joe felt quite sorry for me, and and he he uh, on Thursday nights he would always bring a wee. So Barbara, his his wife, was a fantastic baker. You know, there would be a carrot cake, or you know, I think he thought that I was a student and I couldn't afford to feed myself, <laughs> and and you know, Barbara would. would bake for me and bring me and Joe just looked after me and yeah I got a lovely you know a lovely another an, an amazing man yeah again the club meant everything to him didn't it completely it life completely and it's all of these people who give far more than you know you you would be expected to in terms of fulfilling your contracts or your job or something yeah. uh, and I I, I, I mean I I've just mentioned two, but there are lists of people like that. Wonderful people at Dunfermline. Yeah, brilliant. So by July 1988, you moved to Alawa Athletic. Yeah. So just before we, we touch on Alawa, how would you sum up your, your time at Dunfermline as a player? I achieved everything and more than would make me happy, really. Um, to play for your your boyhood club is just fabulous. Um to um, have the success that we had was beyond my expectations, really. When I, when I joined as a part-timer, I, I thought, you know, I would probably be playing in the lower reaches of, of, of Scottish football until Dunfermline moved up. And when Dunfermline moved up, I'd be jettisoned and we'd be playing, you know, with another part-time team somewhere. But to have been um, a small part of that, journey uh, taking you know the powers back into the Premier League I'm happy to leave it at that you know I think I think the pride of being a wee part of that will never leave me brilliant mate superb so then you go to Alawa you have two years at Alawa before retiring what was your spell like at Alawa Athletic well I went there because Gregor was there Gregor Abel right um, and when when I'd said to Leash I was leaving I had a chance to, to go to Falkirk or Wraith um, Frank Connor was at Wraith at the time. Um, and I remember Leash saying, they're going to be competitors. In, uh, and and that, that really, I, I was aware of that. And, and I just thought, like, I, it, it's going to be really, really difficult playing against Dunfermline. And, uh, and Gregor, Gregor um, I'd, I'd gotten very well with Gregor and he said he would, you know, he wanted to bring me to Aloha, make me captain at Aloha. Just a wee funny point about that was two, two or three years, I had played for Dunfermline for 10, 11 years. I had never had a signing on fee. Um, 
I didn't know you got signing on fees. <laughs> I, I used to go in to the to, to you know manager's office, and the manager would be um, saying, "Right, we're, we're going." To, you, you'd go in, and you think, "Am I going? To, am I getting another season, or am I out the door?" Or you know, and then give you another year, give you another two years, or whatever. Sign. I would just sign. And I remember Jim Bowie coming out. I can't remember who the manager was at the time. Coming out and saying, "Oh, times must be hard. I've only got a grand as a signing on fee." I said, "What?" Signing on fee. I didn't know. I honestly didn't know that when you were in a club that you could get signing on fees for going on more seasons. So anyway, I'd never had anything. And then Gregor was going to take me to Allo and Dunfermline negotiated a fee. You know, it wasn't much. Six grand, I thought. Six grand? Yeah. Well, I wish I hadn't told everybody that. <laughs> so anyway, so, and so Gregor said, look, that, that's quite a lot of money for Allo. Um, and we... Uh, we'll probably not be able to give you, you know, much in the way of a signing on fee. And I said, well, that's a, that's a wee bit disappointing, Gregor, because, you know, I've, this is the only, this is going to be my last move. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go on anywhere. He said, so I'll tell you what we'll do. Our vice chairman is uh, a managing director of Sterling Warehouse in Tillicutri. And Linda and I had just, um, we'd just bought a house and, uh, and, he said, if you want to go along and choose something. So, so we went along and uh, we got uh, a bed, uh, a dining room suite with tear, chairs and tables, um, bedroom furniture and a settee. And that was my signing on fee uh, from Sterling Warehouse. I've still got them. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, so, that was it. so anyway, I'd, I had um, I signed and played for two years, but I was uh, in uh, I was, the hamstring thing was really a, becoming a big issue then, um, and I I think I played played quite a bit in the first season, um, and then I had a bad hamstring tear again at the beginning of the next season. So played two seasons there, enjoyed it. Um, uh, I wasn't at my fittest, and I was beginning to. And the, the, I was travelling from here um, to Aloha, Tuesday, Thursday training, so it was like an hour to get there. Um, I couldn't, sometimes couldn't get out of my surgery till six o'clock at night. The boys yeah. were already halfway through the training session. Um, so it wasn't the greatest two years of my football career. Um, and at the end of it, I remember uh, going back for the third season and they were doing pre-season training and with these young 17 and 18 year old lads you know just running away from me and I thought ah, I, yeah. I'm just going to call it a day Yeah Well looking back on your career over 400 appearances in, in professional football so what would you say has been your proudest moment if you could pick one? The proudest thing was being captain of the team that got us back to the, the Premier League really um, Yeah So that yeah that 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 tops everything. Brilliant, mate. So fast forward a little bit, you mentioned it earlier, you then become the club doctor in 2007. So mm. how did that, that come about? Were you kind of helping in the background anyway? or When I finished playing, I, I, I didn't, I, I just had um, five years. I, I just didn't have anything. To, I, I suppose, you know, it was, we had, we had three kids in that period of time. Um, both my wife and I working full time so the, the, I sort of drifted away from, from, from the football um, and then I got uh, 
two or three, there's a friend of mine was the club doctor at Wraith Rovers and he, uh, he, he would contact me on occasions and ask if, um, if I would help out if he couldn't do it. So I went down and I would help them out and then he retired and I was asked if I would be the club doctor at the Rovers. So I, I took that up and that would be in the probably mid to late 90s. So Jimmy Nicholl, um, Peter Heatherston, mm-hmm. um, John McVeigh. You're talking about 97, I think, I, 98. And latterly, um, uh, Claude Anelka. Yeah. They, they were the, the managers, Gordon DL. Would be so they, I, was, I was club doctor at Wraithovers during that period. And that, I can't remember, that would take you into the 2000s. Yeah, early um, 2000s. Yeah. yeah. And then I, um, uh, and I enjoyed that. Uh, but I, 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 I remember, um, no, I, I remember sitting, because in those days the club doctor sat in the director's box, not pitch side. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a, an, a game against Infermline at Kirkcaldy and I think it was three all. It was a real. It was a great game. It was a. There was, a, it was quite a high scoring game, and it was impossible to react positively to a Wraith Rovers goal, and equally impossible not to show any emotion. You know, of course. for a Fairman goal, you you, you know you can't. You, your team is always your team, and and there's no way that I could. So anyway, at that time, my 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 son. He was, uh, he was getting interested in the football and I decided, eh, um, I'm going to give this up. So I, I gave it up and I bought a couple of season tickets at East End and Ali and I started going along to, to, to just to watch. And that time, um, Jerry Gillespie was the yes, club yes. doctor because he had followed Hugh and Jerry uh, was wanting to give it up. That was at the end of Jimmy Calderwood's time. Um, Stephen Kenny had become manager and... Uh, Leash contacted me and said, "Would you would you like to come back?" And 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 you know, of course, as I leapt at it, um, and it was a slightly bittersweet thing at the start, I must say, because my son Ali and I, you know, we were going along, home and away to all the Pars matches, and he was a right wee fanatic. And I remember, you know, it was great taking him to that Scottish Cup final, you know, and, and he couldn't believe it. You know, we, we came away and we'd lost and he said, you know, I was devastated. He said, never mind, Dad, next year, we'll do it next year. And he didn't quite appreciate them. Finland don't get to the Cup yeah. final every year. And when I took the job, um, that, that, that was, a, as I say, a little bit bittersweet because these, being a fan, you know, it, it, I think people maybe find this strange, but for me, being a fan trumps all. Mm-hmm. I think being a fan has given me, you know, as much pride and joy as being a player as being, or, or being a doctor. It's, it's great being a fan. You get emotionally so involved. When you're playing, you're focused on doing a job. When you're a club doctor, you're worried about what's happening. You can't really enjoy it in the positions, can you? Can't. You There's can't. No focus it's different. Saying. Being a fan is brilliant, yeah. and and I love being a fan, and and I loved that period with with my son. You know, we would go along, and when I became doctor, 
that broke a little bit because I had to be in the dressing room and I had to be pitch side and Ali and I weren't watching yeah. it together. Yeah. And, and, and in a way, you know, I look back upon that with a bit of regret because he's drifted away from the football a bit now. Uh, uh, anyway, that was something we shared, you yeah. know, for a, for a period of time. Um, so w when, so I, I, I became doctor when Stephen Kenny was there, which was really interesting because when, when I, I was quite disappointed really when, when I, when I, when I worked at Wraith to think, you know, it's, it's 20 years or so since I've played and the, the, the sports science, the nutrition, the physiotherapy has not moved on. It's still where it was in Scotland. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't like that, you know, in, in, in England, but we hadn't really moved on. And when I, when I got into Dunfermline with, with Steen Kenny, um, I know that there are, you know, differing opinions about, about, about Stephen, but he, he really introduced some revolutionary ideas um, in sport, you know, first sports scientist at East End, I think, and, and his training, you know, techniques and, the, you know, the nutrition Did he not start introducing ice baths for the first ice time baths, as well? Ice baths were, you know, were introduced. Um, so there was, there was a lot of new things came. We had a physio there at the time, Jerry Doherty, and Jerry and I became very close friends. And I would credit Jerry uh, with with my um, um, subsequent sort of desire to improve myself as a sports medicine doctor, because he he was um, being a medic traditionally in the football clubs meant you'd stitch people up, you'd you'd administer paracetamol or antibiotics or whatever, but um, it had moved on and, and, and sports medicine was becoming a much more um, vital part of, you know, progressive clubs. Um, knowing what, you know, these little advantages, um, you know, could bring to performance. So Jerry was, you know, he, he, he was a top physio. And so as not to embarrass myself, uh, I decided I would do a, a sports medicine master's course. Right. So I, I enrolled at Bath University and, uh, and, and, and did that. So I, I did that quite early on in, in my time at Dunfermline so that uh, I could communicate on an equal level with, <laughs> yeah. with Jerry, really. Uh, so I, I felt that, that was, a, I really enjoyed that. You know, it was two or three years of intense learning and, and you know, my, 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 my sort of sports medicine knowledge, you know, hit an upward trajectory. And, uh, and we worked very well together. Um, uh, uh, and then subsequently, the other physio that came in, Kenny Murray, um, once Jerry had left. So I'd, I worked with two really good physios. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so had, had um, Stephen, then worked under Jim Jeffries, then worked under um, Jim McIntyre mm -hmm. and Alan Johnson. Yeah. Um, so I was there for 10 years. Who was the best out of all them to work Ooh. for? Can you answer that one? Oh. I, 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 honestly, I honestly couldn't say a bad word about any of them, but I had, a, I had a really good relationship with Jim McIntyre and we had a particularly successful yeah. um, time. Yeah, promotion um, winning season, wasn't it? Yeah. And Alan Johnson treated me so well. He was, he, he was, you know, uh, 
always respectful when I call the shots on something. Um, that, 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 that there are some um, sometimes confrontations in a way, you know, between the medical side and the playing side. And that there, there, there was a, that at the time I was doctor, that they were beginning to recognise in a practical sense, the risk of head injury and head knocks. And, you know, if a player, um, uh, I mean, there was, a, there was one particular instance that unnerved me a wee bit and we had a player, um, I'll not go into details of it, but he was knocked out uh, just two or three minutes before half time. And you could see when he went down, he, 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 he was unconscious. Yeah. And by the time we got onto the pitch, this match was being televised. By the time we got into the pitch, um, he was coming round and we took him off. I assessed him at half time. He clearly, you know, um, uh, and I said, you know, he, he can't go back on. And then I went off and had a, a cup of tea. And then when I went back out to, to, to see the second half, he was on the pitch. So the manager had, had put him back on. And, and I think that... It, that that I, I, no one would be critical of the manager in that sense because that's what happened then. You know, the manager called the shots, and and of course they're not going to be as aware of the potential risks of something like that. But a season or two after that, the SFA changed the rules so that the doctor has to give permission to the referee that a player can 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 go back on the pitch. Yeah. So that you know that that that. Changed things. You can yeah. see that now in the game with any head injuries. Eh? Absolutely, it's and you see two strict. people on right away. Yeah, uh, I think in my in my time, that has been really really good, and mm. and that never existed. I mean, you were very much, you know, I, I, so as, as the as the club doctor, you were very much um, just another member of the backroom staff, and your your um, opinion um, was listened to but not necessarily acted upon yeah um, what was the worst injury you had to to attend to so I was lucky actually uh, I mean I had a couple of wee sort of broken legs that weren't that bad um, the, the, the the worst injuries are always when people are unconscious so yeah I had a couple of those um, I never had anything that resulted in any major problem um, I had lots of pretty hairy stitch jobs to do and uh, to try and, you know, maintain the uh, the looks of some <laughs> some young guys. But uh, no, I was lucky. I never had anything um, that was um, that led to any serious long term consequences. Yeah. So you, you serviced club doctor for ten years. Yeah. Um, and during that time, you get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. What, what was that moment like for you? Oh, I, I, surreal, really. I mean, just, uh, you, you sort of, um, <laughs> when, you, when, when you're a fan of a club, you know, something like that, just, just uh, probably assumes a, a greater um, significance in your life. So I was very proud, um, and I was, I was particularly proud that... Um, my two best mates at the club, Hugh White and Bonner Mercer, had been involved in, I think, putting my name forward or something. Yeah. Um, it was a funny night. And I, I, I remember um, going there um, 
and John Watson was being inducted the same the same night. John was as nervous as anything because he thought he's got he to do a speech, and he'd phoned me. John John Watson has had my mobile phone number forever for all his medical issues. You know, I've been his <laughs> doctor for so you're on the phone, doc, 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 can you help me out here? So anyway, he phoned me up and um, he uh, so I'm I'm terrified. You know, we'll have to do a speech. What, what have you written? And I said, well, I haven't written anything, John. He said, no, we'll need to do a speech. It'll be, it'll be terrifying. Um, what, what are you going to say? And I said, I don't know, I haven't thought about it. <laughs> so anyway, come the night, uh, he came over to my table and he said, uh, where's your speech? And I said, well, I haven't written anything, John. He said, look, what do you think of this? And he brought, and he had about five pages of A4, you know, all these things. That, <laughs> I said, I, you know, I... I don't think it's necessary that you have to do that. So anyway, um, Leash, of course, does all the presentations and Leash won't let you get a word in edgeways. Yeah. So Leash, you know, inducted John and said his thing and, and John got in and he was absolutely furious because he spent weeks writing this four-page long speech and he never got to utter a word. <laughs> <laughs> so, Superb. But it was a great night, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, my uh, Hall of Fame stars and pride of place in the living room. <laughs> Superb, mate. And... Obviously, you're a member of the former Players Association. So yeah. what's it like being part of that and meet up with the guys like yeah. Bonner and yeah. Chris and all the guys that go to the games? It's, it's, it's great. I mean, Chris does a fantastic job, a great job. And and when I was, um, you know, doctor, I, I would often pop up, you know, just uh, before the game. And, and uh, I would always be told if somebody was coming along, you know, that, that, uh, that played with me. So uh, I, I would always nip along and see them, but I never had time to, to get involved. But since since finishing up as doctor, I go along regularly, um, and it's it's great. See, you see the same old faces most weeks, but then there's always one or two guys, yeah. you know, who appear for maybe one or two games a season. You know, football friendships um, last forever, and and they never. Age, um, you are immediately, you know, back in the seventies or the eighties. Not, not sort of, you know, being modelling and 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 you know talking about how great things were then. But just there's a bond be- between guys that share things like that. And of all the friendships I've made in my life, you know, professionally. Um, I, I, I'm still most at ease and and uh, have most fun uh, with you know with my old football pals. Brilliant. You attend most home games at East End. Yeah, so yeah. What's your What's your thoughts on football today? And do you think you could you could have played in the games today? Well, the, the, there's a mu- much much more of a, a, a t- attention giving. To uh, I think fitness levels now, and you know the there's a it's a whole body fitness. The guys clearly get, which 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 is long overdue. I think get trained physiologically. You know they they, they look at improving um, parameters. You know their, their cardiovascular fitness. They 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 get trained. Um, you know and uh, as they should. A centre half gets different training from a striker. We all got the same stuff. You know, you went out and you got hammered <laughs> cardiovascularly. You, you, you did very little resistance training. Um, so the guys now 
are much fitter. I think they are um, fitter for the role specifically as well. Um, uh, so I think that level, I, I think I could have done that. You know, that fitness for me was, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed training. And I would have loved the opportunity to have been, um, uh, you know, trained um, more scientifically and, and I would have pushed myself. So my, my fit, fitness levels would have been fine. Um, I, I always have a great difficulty in comparing skill levels because they're playing on bowling greens now. You remember the yeah. parks we used to play on? Yeah. Um, Lucky you know, if there was any grass on it. Oh, I mean, East End <laughs> never had any grass after December. Yeah. You know, um, you, you, and you, you played, you know, through the winter when the pitches were bone hard, you still played. I've still got scars on my knees and things from where you... You would slide tackle on a bone hard pitch and just rip the skin off your knees. So that aspect of things, um, they play on beautiful pitches. Um, they're much fitter. I think it's difficult to compare like with like. Yeah. Um, but no, I, 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 there are some, I think, you know, some guys um, who are playing for, you know, Dunfermline now who would have, you know, graced the best of the teams that I played with yeah brilliant mate so just rounding rounding up your, your career in the game what's been the most surreal moment would you say playing football or even your experience as a club doctor well I, I, I would think and this is how I mean, I mean, I um, didn't have much of a role in the game I suppose but played in the same pitch as George Best right. so that that uh, we, we back in 70 or 80 maybe? October 80. 80, yeah. when Hibbs came to East End. Uh, and I remember shaking George's hand and he, he said, hello, I'm George. Uh, and I said, yes, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he, um, at, at that time, I, I ran the player's bar and we had a, uh, I used to um, raise funds for, uh, for uh, at that time, it was, it was a wee girl patient of mine and she was, um, she uh, was raising funds for her. She had cystic fibrosis, raising funds for her to go to Disney World. And uh, so George came into the players' bar afterwards and I explained to him what, what we did because he was going to buy his pint. I said, no, no, you just make a donation. Um, uh, and I said, I'm a doctor and I, uh, we raise funds. I'm raising funds for a wee girl um, to go to Disney World. Uh, and George uh, handed over two £50 notes um, uh, had a coke wow. and then uh, went off to Edinburgh Airport and <laughs> flew down to London because he used to just come up, you know. Yeah. So playing, yeah, be great, being able to be in on the same football pitch as um, George Best. Amazing experience. Fabulous. Yeah. What about any regrets? No, none on the football side. Um, I think I made the right choices for me. Um, you know, um, I... I wish I had gone into sports medicine at an earlier time. Um, I, I, I sort of drifted out the game for a while and then came back to the Rovers, but it was really just helping out. I, I really um, wish I had developed my interest in sports medicine when I finished playing. I, I, I'd, no, I had no interest in coaching. I, I, I did coaching badges and things, but that wasn't for me. Um, but yeah, that... I wish I'd done that. Brilliant. What about memorabilia? Were you one for collecting? And if so, is there like one item that you really treasure? 
No, I've got a couple of football strips and I've got my medals, um, which I'll, uh, I've got three medals, so I'll give one to each of my kids. Uh, these are promotion medals. And I have got my um, Hall of Fame star. Yeah. But nice. that's it. <laughs> that's, it's good items, to be fair. What about your toughest opponent? I mentioned Pat Nevin. Mm -hmm. He sticks out. And another guy who's maybe not the leap to anyone's mind was... But I remember the, the Aberdeen team um, and Peter Weir played wide left and he was just a rocket. Um, and, yeah, he, he, was a, he was a flying machine. So... Um, but Nevin would get it. Ne Nevin, yeah, I, I couldn't play him. Yeah. He was great. Brilliant. Best teammate? Who was your best mate in football? If you could pick one. Or a few, to be fair. My, 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 my two best mates in football, probably my two best mates in, in life, are, are, are um, Hugh White and Bonner Mercer. And we were one, two and three at, at East End um, for a while. And we used to, you know, Hugh was a, a, a mentor to me. Um, we used to, the three of us used to travel through together from, from Edinburgh. And, um, and Bonner has been my longest friend in life, really. Um, and uh, yeah, we're still very close. He'd do anything. He's the sort of guy who would do anything for you. Yeah, so yeah, good guy. Perfect, mate. And then final question, how do you reflect back on your career in football? How would you sum it up? I would say that I, I played um, with my heart. Uh, I played with, you know, passion for the team that I loved. Um, I fully appreciate, fully appreciated my limitations. I played, you know, w within these limitations, um, but I think I got the most out of what I had, I would say. So no regrets. Brilliant. Bobby, it's been great catching up and uh, thanks for uh, reminiscing and telling us about your career in football. Oh, it's a pleasure, Mikey. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Good man. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, which is available on all popular platforms such as Apple iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Thanks to our guest in this episode of Walking Down the Holbeef Road. This podcast was produced by Jan Mokiewicz and music supplied by Stuart Dusty Miller. We look forward to speaking to another former part in the next episode.